Right on. We are kicking off our Legacy Series. It is our series for the month of November. Uh, in December, we have another new series uh, for the holidays that we're just super excited to share with you. So this month, we're going to devote ourselves uh, to the idea in, the, in this series of Legacy. If you're newer to us and you've never been a part of things uh, when we do this Legacy Series, uh, this Legacy Series is a series on generosity, but it's also a series on, on faith, on stretching our faith, on believing for more. What we do as a church is every year at this time, we take up a miracle offering. And so we believe in scripture that you can see there's tithing in scripture, there's offerings in scripture, and then even at times God calls his people to give an extravagant offering where God has spoke to them and led to them to give in an extravagant way. So we believe those are the three ways of giving, and um, we see those functioning in our church all throughout the year. And so it's not like our one time of the year where, where we believe this kind of giving happens. It happens all throughout the year, uh, but we focus on what we call our miracle offering. Because we believe as a church, it's important for us to operate in faith and stretch ourselves and believe that God is calling us into more, right? Uh, and so it's, it's easy, honestly, for us to, to set a budget and create a plan and put together sort of the day-to-day -day operations of church. But I believe that God calls even the church to operate in great faith. And it's not that those things aren't in faith. They are. And it takes faith to operate in those kind of things. But we're just getting in a position where we're saying, God, even as a church, we're going to come together in a place of great sacrifice. Amen. And so these miracle offerings have been amazing. We've, we've done them. I can't remember, honestly. The team could probably tell you. I can't remember in our first year if we did one or not. But we've been doing it every year since where we just one time come together for this miracle offering. There's been seasons where we needed $30,000 to accomplish what God put in front of us. So the miracle offering always has an objective. What's the mission? What is the thing that we're going to give this money or believe this money toward? And it's always something outside of our, our, our normal function. So it's never hire a staff person or do anything like that. It's always a new, a new reach or a new wing. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, and so we've had all kinds of things from building the outreach center, 2,500 square foot facility, fully functioning and, and shelves and carts and all those things. Now, now feeding 200 kids on a weekly basis. We've seen that. We also did the expansion last year where we completely doubled every kid space and, and expanded and moved offices and built a second floor sanctuary where, just so you know, we'll talk about it more in the, in the future, but that's used all throughout the week. There's Christian ballet classes. There's Christian Taekwondo classes. There's, I don't even know what's going on in those classes, but there's stuff happening everywhere. And uh, you heard like Door, the, the deaf community ministry was in there where they literally had a Nash, a worldwide meeting from people all over the world up in our second floor sanctuary. Why? Because legacy. And so like we're attached to that. And so this tagline we use is, what are we doing that outlives our life? You know, you can be a good steward of your money and you can make a good investment and you can buy a car and you can make the right decision on buying a home. But all that stuff, the scripture does say rust and moth, it eventually all fades away. But we can put things in the ground spiritually that outlive us. God honors generations, and when we make decisions, he puts his hand on things, and he can bless generations. Many of you would sit in this room and say, I can tell you that I'm here today because I had a grandma or a grandpa or somebody in the faith that prayed for me, believed for me, invested in me. How many would say that, right? And, it, and it's just legacy, and so that's what we do as a church is we, we build ourselves up for the season of sacrifice and faith and stretching, and, and God always shows up in amazing ways. Again, sometimes uh, the, the mission was like 30,000, and we're just, oh, Lord, how are we going to ever get 30,000, and how could you ever do it? And God went past 30,000 that year. And I said, another year, was like, oh, 70,000. Oh, my gosh, how's God ever going to do stuff? And he went past it. And last year, it was like 100,000. How are we ever? I mean, you know, God went way past it, right? Because he supplies every need. It just takes us walking as a, as a body of Christ in faithfulness and obedience 
And so again, if you're newer here, I don't want you to come in and go, oh, here comes the money shakedown, because that's actually not how it is for us here as a church. Uh, just a couple times a year, we talk about money. We don't shy away from it in a sense of like, because it's, it's a blessing for you. It'd be a huge disservice for me as your pastor to not talk to you about biblical principles when it comes to money. Amen. Uh, you should be annoyed with me if I didn't, right? And uh, there's promises in the Bible about it. And, but, but this is our one time where we focus and we say, okay, God, this is what you've called us to in this area of generosity. And, um, and we've always seen God show up miraculously. Amen. So here's what I want to do. At the end of this, I get to tell you what we're going to do. And it's super exciting. You're going to love it. And so I get to tell you what at the end. But before the what, I want to tell you the why. And here's the thing. I don't want you, when I'm preaching this sermon, to go, the only reason he's talking about the why is for the what. He's up there doing a really good job talking, hopefully doing a good job. He's up there doing a good talking about the why just because of the what. Now, listen, hear me. If we took the what away, the why is still the most important thing we could be talking about here today. So I don't want you to go, oh, that just went with the what. So that's why he's doing the why. No, the why is everything. Legacy or not, what you're about to hear, what we're going to do, take that off the table. The why that we're about to talk about these next 20 minutes is the everything. Are you with me? So I don't want you to get it too confused there. So turn to Matthew chapter 28, and uh, this is after Jesus had risen. So you find him here in Matthew chapter 28. Many of you know this verse because, or this chapter, because at the end of it, we find the great commission. And uh, I know many of you are going, okay, I see where he's going with this, but I want to set the scene up a little bit. Jesus had already risen. And uh, here's what you need to know. Uh, everything leads up to this point. If you could actually imagine uh, the, the Jesus movie, if you will, if you let me say that, uh, it sort of has three movies to it. You have like creation in the fall of man. Okay, so you have that. And then you have redemption. Jesus sent his son or God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. And then, and then you basically right here on earth, you have this, this commission and the ascension, right? Now there's eternity all wrapped into that. But there's these three major blocks, if you will. We're picking up here on the third. So you have to imagine that people in the community, of course, they saw him preaching as the Messiah. And he's talking about everything from Genesis to him now standing on earth. He's opening the scroll and saying, you know, I'm the anointed one. So you, you, he's tying all this together. But then you see the death, and you see the burial, and you see the resurrection, and now what we're joining in on is like, the, the, this is it. This is endgame. What's going to happen? What is Jesus going to say to us? What is he going to commission us? Like, what, what do we do with it from here? And now uh, the people of this time, it's a really interesting thing because in Matthew 28, Jesus is standing on a mountain. And so anytime Jesus is teaching from a mountain, it's actually sending the picture to uh, the mindset of the people in this culture uh, that he's being recast as the new Moses. Because Moses from the mountain, he led the people in the old covenant. He also led them through Exodus. And now Jesus is coming, the new covenant, and he's showing them the way. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So for them to be sitting here and, and looking onto Jesus on the mountain after he's come back, he's done all this, they are so dialed into what he's about to say. Not like, I wonder what nice things this guy's going to say. No, he's about to drop like the new way, the new commission, the going forward for all believers. Are you with me? Yeah. And so we pick up on it there. And uh, before we read it, I want us to talk about that why. Many of us in this room, if I were to poll you, before, before we get into the reading of what, what he says, many of us could go, why are we here? Why do we exist? Why does the church function? Why does it even matter? And some people would say, well, the church exists for fellowship. 
Acts chapter 2, everybody gathers together and fellowship matters and we get together and <coughs> we, <coughs> excuse me, we break bread and we, we just do life together and we have relationship and we connect. And, and so it's about fellowship. And that's true. That matters. And, and we have community groups and we do all those kinds of things. But it's not what it's all about. Because if that's what it was all about, just fellowship, then the day that you get saved, God could just bring you to heaven and there would be perfect fellowship. You understand what I'm saying? You could go to heaven. There would be no reason for you to be here because it's just about fellowship. You could also say, people say, well, the church is about teaching. And it's about doctrine and it's about learning so that we can purify and we can become more righteous. And so it's just about teaching and understanding. Well, if that's the case, I would apply the same argument that when you get saved, you could just be then taken to heaven. Why? Because heaven is what? All knowing, all wisdom. Scripture says when we get to heaven, we will finally see. Are you with me? So if it just came to teaching and, and, and understanding and doctrine, well, then you could go to heaven. Uh, another thought is it's, well, we're here to worship God. We're here to praise and worship God. It's about worship and glorifying God. And of course, that's true. And so is the teaching piece. But I would argue the same thing. The best place to worship God would be in his presence in heaven. Are you with me? The scripture says in Isaiah, and it says all in Ephesians, that heaven is full of, of worship. And so again, if that's all it was, then when you get saved, you could go to heaven. And same thing with, well, it's about righteousness. It's about us living here and being righteous. And well, the scripture says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory. And so if this whole time on earth was about just us figuring out how we could finally be righteous, it would never happen. Because there's a reason for us to still be here after you got saved. There's a work for us to do. There's a purpose that God has for us. There's a commission that he has on our life. Are you with me? And we find it here. Everybody's tuned into Jesus. He's on the mount. He's getting ready to share with us what it looks like going in forward. Matthew 28, uh, verse 16. Then, Jesus, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, everybody say, go. All authority has been given to me. Everything on heaven and earth. I've been completely equipped to be able to commission you, and I'm commissioning you to now go. Be a people who go. I need you to go. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. We read that as like a really cute ending. We'll look at it here in a little bit more. But, and surely, he wanted you to know, surely I'm with you always to the end of the earth. Your mission and your purpose and the why you're still here is to seek and save the lost, just like it was Jesus' mission. He came, walked among us, took on flesh and blood to show us how to live and so that we could be seeking and saving the lost. The mission is always about reaching people. Now, worship is good and teaching is good and doctrines. All of those things are important, but they're not the commission. Are you with me? They're a part of it. But if we aren't reaching and seeking and saving and going, then we're missing it. Are you with me? My brother, uh, he's two years younger than me. And, uh, it's my job as the bigger brother to just teach him how wrong he always is, right? <laughs> and uh, funny, I planted a church. Obviously, you're sitting in it. Uh, my wife and I and a great team, we all planted this church. But uh, I have planted a church uh, that does like this, and we gather people. And, and my brother, he just got back from Oregon, and uh, he went through Dale Partridge's. Some of you know his study, a great study, great guy. Uh, but my brother is being taught uh, and trained to ho have a home church. He believes in the home church model, uh, which is funny because... 
I planted this church. He planted a home church, planting a home church, being trained to do that. And uh, we both just have different opinions of it. And so uh, we have all these conversations as brothers do. Lots of name calling and emojis, right? And, uh, and, and, and listen, they aren't arguments. He's an idiot and he's wrong, but I'm just saying they're not arguments, okay? And, uh, and so uh, here's the deal. We're bantering back and forth and we're arguing. He says, I believe this and I, and I believe that. And I'm over here saying, well, I see the fruit of this because I'm six years ahead of you. No, I'm just kidding. But I say, I see the fruit of this. I see the fruit. And we're going back and forth. And really what's happening among the body of Christ is I believe God is putting his hand on people and he's getting us all to look at what really matters. Mega church, even Pastor Witt, we were talking about, has a, has a great church, very large church. And they're even starting to plant and send people out of the large church. Why? Because what we need to do is we need to get down to what really matters. I'm for stage lights and I'm for all these other kinds of things. But if we do any of this and we miss the purpose of actually reaching people, then, then we've fallen way off. Are you with me? And in my joke to my brothers, I always tease him like how he's going to have a potluck church, right? Home church, they're going to have the best potlucks. And, and here's the deal. On this side of things, if it doesn't go to reaching people, and, be, and he's going to be, he's going to do a great job. Amen. So whether it be home church, evangelism, whatever it may be, we have to have a heart for people. It has to be for people. If all of the other things are what we make it about, then we're going to miss it by a mouth. So we're, we're arguing, we're bantering, we're getting all down. And he's, and when I say arguing, he's going to watch this video. So I'm not saying anything crazy. I talked to him last night, told him I was going to say this. And, uh, and so we're arguing, we're talking, we're having all this conversation. Here's how it ends up. Here's what it all boils down to. God has called and commissioned him this way. God has called and commissioned me this way. But you know what the bottom line is? I'm like, go reach people, bro. He's like, go reach people, bro. Because that's what we're all called to do is go reach, seek and save the lost, however God is choosing us to use it. Are you with me? So that's what the, this commission is. It's the look, therefore go. If it's home church, great. If it's evangelism ministry out in the, great. Whatever it is, as long as we're going and seeking and saving the lost, that needs to be the, the reform among the church of America is getting back to seeking and saving the lost. Are you with me? It's our mission is the great commission. The scripture says in Romans 9, verse 22, uh, I didn't put it on the screen. It's actually a really deep, kind of long read, uh, but it basically boils down to this point. If you study it out, it basically says this, that nothing glorifies God more than when somebody gets saved. When the lost come back, when the lost are found, nothing glorifies God more. Why? Because that's what it's all about. The redemption story, the work of the cross, everything is about what? Seeking and saving the lost. So while classes are important and worship nights are important and all of the church things we do are very important, none of it glorifies God more than when we seek and save the lost. Are you with me? That's why Pastor Witt was saying last week, I thought it was such a great analogy. The problem is when we become these churches that just huddle, all we do is, is classes and worship and Sunday school and we just get in this huddle and all the world sees is our backsides. We make these butt huddles. Are you with me? We're not going to be a butt huddle church, are we? It, actually, we're working. We're working on some shirts. We are not a butt huddle. But sadly, church culture has become that in America. What can we do to make you feel blessed and make you feel good and make you feel comfortable in this little church huddle? While the, church, while the world is on the outside saying, I need help out here. And you all look like a bunch of... 
I stopped myself for what I was going to say, but, but that, was, that was the safer way to say that. But isn't it interesting? We get so excited in church about the conference we went to, and we feel so full and fat on all this deep. That's great. It's fine. But and then another worship night, and we got all these deep revelations, and that's fine. And then we say, oh, and this deep study, and I've got this new Bible thing I'm doing at home, and that's all great. It's part of it. But if we aren't using it to seek and save the lost, we're missing it. Are you with me? Focus 412 is like a church consulting group. They, they do studies, and they studied two different or 2,000 churches in two different categories, so a total of 4,000 churches in two categories. And uh, they found of declining churches, they looked at churches that were declining, uh, they found that most, uh, they found that the percentage ratio of these 2,000 declining churches, uh, they, they, they landed in an 82% of what they were doing in their churches were for themselves. 82% of what they were doing inside was for inside their own church, essentially forming the huddle, all the stuff that God blessed them with and gave them. Well, no wonder their church was declining. Why? They're not living out the Great Commission. Of the 2,000 churches that were breaking church growth numbers at higher rates than average, they looked into their groups and they found that about 51% of what they were doing was in-house, basically almost a 50 split of outreach and in-reach. What is that? That's going and discipling, just like the scripture calls us to. Go and reach and disciple. Go and reach and disciple. I mean, you know, the church needs proper balance. God can put his hand on that and grow that and advance that if we have that balance. Amen. But here's the mindset we have to get. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, uh, it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off anything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You have a race marked out for you. It doesn't say the pastor does. It doesn't say the church leaders do. It says that every single one of us in this room have a race marked out by God for our lives. Are you with me? And it says that there are things that can hinder you from running that race. So then it says this, let us run with perseverance. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Love this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. This whole verse, this whole teaching here is teaching us that it's possible for you to lose the purpose in your race. It's possible for you to lose sight the race that you're running. Are you with me? You're not with me. I'll help you. You're all called to a race, and there's hindrances that can come into your life. So it's important for you to know that you're in this race. Well, what is this race? The race that we're running is in our time here on earth. Yes, we worship God. Yes, we're serving God. Yes, we're, but this race that we're running is one to seek and save the lost and bring as many to heaven as possible. And there's going to be things that try to hinder you in that. Uh, this right here, church, it, we're in a race, and the race matters. The race is the main thing. But before the race comes training, right? My wife, literally, these last couple of days, she's been uh, running, I think, a 10K in a half marathon. I don't know what all those Ks are. I should listen better, but she's doing them, <laughs> and, uh, and she's doing a great job with them. But, but uh, she's been training for these things. And so I remember when she said, hey, I want to run. I want to, I want to do this running thing. She's like, do you think we, we can get a treadmill? I should probably get a treadmill. And I'm like, of course, let's get you a treadmill. So we get her this treadmill. And then I noticed a couple months after having the treadmill as winter's coming, she's buying all this thermal, warm, 
heat keeping gear and like stuff to wear when you run and these masks and shoe. What's the shoe? Uh, not horseshoe. Snowshoe. Come on, Scott. Whatever the, what are they called? Yeah. They have ice spikes on them and you run. She looks like the Terminator. She's all geared up to go run. And I'm like, what are you doing with all that stuff? And she's like, well, the treadmill, she's like, that's not real conditions. That's just training. For me to do well in the race, I have to be out in real conditions. Can I tell you something about the church? The church is great. And coming in here in a sermon is fine. And coming in worshiping and being in these experiences are great. But it's the treadmill. We're called to go in the real conditions and be with the real people. Are you with me? The real hurts of the world. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? We're called out. That's why the church literally is called the called out ones. That's what the church means in scripture. We're the called out ones. And so as much as this is awesome and classes are great and worship is great and Bible studies are great and all of the things that churches do are great, it's just training for us to go run the race. And the race is the great commission, which is go and reach people. Are you with me? So we have to go out of these environments. These are controlled environments. We have to get into the real conditions. And the real conditions are where real ministry happens and shows up in real ways where God shines a light in darkness. We can Now, this is real ministry. Don't take what I said as anything that happens here is not significant. It is. But I'm talking about we spill out, like the scripture says, into the highways and byways. Why? Because that's where you bump into reality, the real things. Uh, my kid's hope student, uh, a couple weeks ago, he was telling me how his mom, and I'll change the story a little bit so it's not kind of outed, but but he's a fifth grader, and he was telling me how his mom is pregnant in uh, three different parent situations in that, in that home. And so he's got a bunch of other siblings in his home. And so I was kind of doing the, like, hey, buddy, because he's a fifth grader. Oh, your mom's pregnant. That's amazing. That's going to be so good. And I kind of did the, like, uh, hey, dude, that means, that means you're going to have to help a bunch. You're going to be mixing oatmeal and changing diapers. And, and he said, no. He's like, She'll probably, my mom will probably just do what she already does and just tell me to leave her alone. But guess what I was able to do? No, dude, we love you. You're amazing. She doesn't mean that. She's probably busy and speak. And I got to build back up his self-esteem. Are you with me? Why? Because we got to go out. We got to get out of the butt huddle. We got to get where real people are and love on them and encourage them and connect with them. Amen. So a couple ways that how we do this. We see this in verse 16. Point number one is this. How do we do this? How do we live out this great commission? Well, one is this. You have to be available. Availability is the way that we start. Verse 16 says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Jesus told them to go to the mountain, and they had the availability to be able to go do that. They had enough margin and things in their life that when God spoke to them, they were able to say, Oh yeah, I can go follow you that way, God, because I haven't filled my life with so much stuff of this world that I can go follow you when you tell me to go do something. Availability matters. The enemy would love to tell you that the, the only people that God uses is people with great ability. Oh, God only uses people. I don't have a great ability. Do you have availability? That's the greatest availability. Ability. <laughs> I don't know what I said, but it would be funny and like a meme, I think. <laughs> the greatest ability is availability. You look at who Jesus used. He didn't find the best of the best with the most ability. He found people with availability that were willing to say yes to him. It's people who made margin to be able to notice somebody in the grocery store. We get in the lines and we're so stuck on our phone and we're stressed and you got to get home and we got to do this because I got to keep up with all this stuff because the Joneses I got to keep up with. And we don't have any availability to notice the hurting around us. Are you with me? Availability is one of the ways. 
So many people say to me as a pastor, they say, oh, I would love to be able to do that. But, like, yep, here it comes. But I have no margin in my life. I have no availability. I'm so focused on all the other kingdoms of the world, I have no availability. My son, I don't know if it's just like a phase he's in or whatever, but I've noticed him so recently saying this statement to me. He's like, Dad. He'll always say to me, Dad, did you see that? Dad, did you see? And it's probably because he's a boy, right? He like just threw a car through a window. Like, Dad, <laughs> did you see that? You know, like, and so like, Dad. And I just noticed all of the times that I'm not seeing what he's doing. Dad, did you see that? Dad, did you see that? Why? Because all of the other kingdoms of this earth I'm looking at. I got all these other things that I'm focused on. And I just wonder if the world is looking at the church saying, hey, Bud Huddle, did you see this? I'm hurting over here. <laughs> Are you with me? Did you see that? Did you see what happened to me? Did you see how I'm hurting? Did you see how I'm forgotten? We got to pay attention. It comes through availability. People say to me all the time, oh, I wish I could do more, but I haven't made availability in my budget and in my calendar and in my prayer life and in my, are you with me? Oh, I wish I could do, if you wish you could do more, you would make the adjustment to make yourself available to what God is saying. Number two uh, is in our worship, in the way in what we worship. Uh, Verse 17 says this, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. They doubted its possibility. Worship is surrender. And I'm not even talking about singing right now. I'm not talking about song service. I'm talking about what we worship, what we prioritize. Essentially, worship is surrender. What we surrender to. The scripture says that some saw him and they surrendered. When it says they worshiped, it didn't mean they picked up a guitar and that is who you are, right? No, you guys remember that? It was probably Kanye. I bet it's what they put on. I can't go there. I already got in trouble for that this week. All them haters. Right, Johnny? Uh, all right, so worship. They surrendered. Some doubted over here, doubted. How is this possible? How can I do that? How can I, I have these doubts about how I can make that all work because I have all these other scenarios that I'm considering in life. And these guys over here surrendered. They worshiped. They were able to surrender and give all to this commission. Why? Because it was worship. They were worshipful towards him. The truth is we all worship something. You right now are surrendering or worshiping to something, whether it's your schedule or your bank account or your entertainment lifestyle or stress or something. I mean, there's something that is on your mind that you're constantly bowing before, but it should be the Great Commission. It should be our assignments from God is what we surrender and worship to. The two hardest places they say uh, for us to surrender to God is in our time and in our money, because both of those are rare. Both of those are rare. We, we, time is hard because it's rare. And so we want to be able to do this and go there and do this and connect in all these things. And so it's hard for us to surrender our time because it's rare. So it's hard for us to trust God in a rarity. Same thing with money. Oh, it's like what Pastor Witt talked about. I only have so much. So God, I'm not going to trust you with it because I got to be in control of it. But no, to surrender to this thing, you have to be able to worship. Are you with me? Uh, There's this counselor I heard of in California, really famous, apparently sought after counselor. And to be able to have an appointment with this counselor before you can see uh, him or her, I can't remember, um, you had to do these things. You had to turn in uh, your last year's uh, bank records. 
So this counselor needed to see all of the ways that you spend your money. So need to look at all the ways you spend your money. The other thing that you needed to do was you had to turn over your calendar. So all of the things that you had done in the last year, you turn over all the ways that you spent your time. And then the other was you had to turn over your phone. So it was either in uh, text messages. They wanted to read your text messages, the way you engage people throughout the day, but then also your, what you seek on the internet. So look at all your internet history and check all your stuff. Why? Because this counselor knew and basically says this, before I even meet or spend time with somebody, I don't want them to, to tell me what they value. I want to see what they value. And how do you see what they value? How they spend their time, how they spend their money, and what they're seeking. What are you seeking on the internet? What are you spending time going after? What are you putting your eyes toward? And what are you doing with your calendar? How are you prioritizing? What? Because that will show you what really matters. And that's why the scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So legacy series like this helps us make sure we're prioritized, right? That our heart is in the right place. If we say we're for God and his kingdom and his glory, then let those things reflect that. Are you with me? Being in his house and praying with his people. And are you with me? Uh, I thought about money. When you think about the great commission, the great commission, literally Jesus stands on a mountain and says, Hey, this is my commission to you. And the body of Christ is empowered to go do it. But do you know that the average American Christian only tithes 2.5, less than 2.5 actually, but 2.5% of their income is actually given toward the body of Christ? Is our heart there? And I know we can split hairs and everybody can get into the, well, I give offerings over here and I do this and I give all that. But I'm just saying 2.5 is the average of how we say, I'm going, I'm giving, I'm sowing into the commission. Are you with me? Another one is our time. Our time is way off. Let me just speak to the men. There's 157 million American men currently, you know, changing by the minute. <laughs> but there's 157 American men, 91 million. Uh, this is some, some stats. 91 million of those men on average spend 8.3 hours a week watching sports. Nothing wrong with that. But there's 91 million men in America that spend 8.3 hours a week watching sports. Now, that's not that unrealistic if you think, well, I watched my college team, then I watched the pro team, and I watched a little bit some of the other games. But it matters when we say back to God, I don't have time to raise my kid. I don't have time to invest in the next generation or serve at the church. When we average 8.3 hours on sports entertainment, are you with me? What could happen in our homes if we sat down with our kids weekly for 8.3 hours and did the Great Commission with them, teaching them to obey all his commands? Are you with me? Yeah. I know I'm not getting a lot of amens because we don't like this. <laughs> 8.3 hours a week sitting in front of our kids, leading them, showing them, guiding them. Could you imagine? And again, I'm not against sports. I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch the Lions, right? I'm going to go home and try to keep living because my wife is gone. Mostly going to, she comes home tomorrow, I'm mostly going to figure out how to get stains out of things. That's what I'm going to do the rest of the day. <laughs> Our time shows us what we value. Do we value raising up another generation in the ways of godliness? Our money, the way we spend, all the kingdoms of this earth we spend so much time on. I thought about it like this. The number one, one of the number one top, top growing investment things that you can invest in, check this out, is storage facilities. You want to make an investment in something that's getting good, that's blowing up and growing in America? Investments of storage facilities. Now, I could actually name you three places in just Zealand alone where we've put up brand new in the last year storage facilities. Why? Because Americans, we love stuff. 
We're so drawn to the kingdoms of this earth. Are you with me? I need to have this. I need to have that. And you could argue, well, maybe people are downsizing. No, it's actually not true. We have more people in homes than ever before. We just have more people with so much stuff. Why? Because we're so focused on the stuff of this world. The enemy's doing a great job keeping us distracted with stuff. I'm telling you, I admit it off the bat. When fall hits and we got to start putting stuff away, I walk around all grumpy in the backyard, like, oh, I got to put all this stuff in the shed and I got to put this away and my dirt bike track, I got to get all this ready. And I'm like complaining about all the blessings God gave me that I got to put away. Do you understand what I'm saying? You do the same thing. Oh, this stuff, because uh, we love stuff in America, don't we? No, just me, fine, whatever. <laughs> but God, God has literally given us the great commission. Uh, Maddie, I'll close with this. The great commission. It's Jesus saying, hey, before I ascend, all authority has been given to me. Like, I, I won this thing, and now I'm standing before you saying, you have permission and commission to go do this, and it's save the world. That's what you've been commissioned with. You have the right, you have the ability, you have God with you to go save the world. And we settle for busyness and distraction and stuff and Netflix. And are you with me? And we, we spend our resource on out to the and overages and all this kind of stuff that we put our, and I'm not against fun, I'm not against entertainment, I'm not against any of that. But is it costing us this? God is saying, like, I have this great commission, this thing that you can be a part of, this, this legacy moments in your life that are going to outlive you. Are we, are, are we missing this for just all of this other stuff? There's this guy who writes books about mountain climbs. S.D. Gordon is his, name, is his name. He took climbers up Mount Blanc in uh, the French Alps, and he tells this story of taking these inexperienced, this inexperienced guy who thought he was a pro. He was probably like internet studied, right? And he shows up to climb this mountain and they say, listen, this guy says, listen, you guys are inexperienced, you're novice. On this climb, you can only have your essentials, rope, gloves, whatever you need, that's basically an essential for you to ascend to the summit, to get to the best of the best part. Are you with me? The summit is the best part, to get to the mountaintop experience. Take only the essentials for the purpose. And this guy, he tells the story of how this guy was there and he brought like this blanket because he just along the way wanted to be able to just mountaintop or, you know, on the way up, set the blanket and, and have a moment where you experience it all. And uh, he brought all these camera lenses. So he had them on this thing and he had all these camera lenses and he had like a rare, rare cheeses and he had wine. He had all of these things. <laughs> to climb this mountain. And the guy says, look, you can't bring any of that. You're not going to make it with all of that stuff. It's not going to happen for you. And the guy said, no, I'll make it. I can do it. I've, you know, whatever, which you all do too. You say it back to God. No, I can do it. I, I read mommy's scary blog.com said that I could, <laughs> and we get all this internet advice that we, anyway, said, so, no, I can make it. I've done my research. I know that I can do it. And so they said, fine, you go ahead. You go ahead of us. We'll come up behind you. And sure enough, as they start traveling and they start coming up behind them, they notice there's a lens on the ground. There's another lens on the ground. There's the blanket on the ground after so many more feet. There's now the cheese. There's now the wine. Everything's been dumped. And he said this. He said, a lot of times he finds that when they find they have to let it all go, they pitch their tent in the plane and they forfeit the summit. And I wonder if that's the same thing in the church of God. When God calls them, equips them, speaks to them, and God says, I want to get you to here, 
we all go, oh, but my stuff, my blanket and my cheese, I just don't want to give it up. And so we settle in the plains with God, holding on to the things that we think matter, and we miss the mountaintop experience. Are you with me? That won't be said about this church. Amen. That won't be said about our lives. We're going to be the people that lay down everything that may hinder us getting to the top and following and living out this great commission. Are you with me? The temptation is so real because the enemy tried it on Jesus. Matthew chapter 4. He's in the wilderness and he's being tempted. And the devil says, hey, check this out, Jesus. If you worship me, I'll give you all of the stuff of this world. Remember? He says, I'll give you the nations. I'll give you all of this. And he said, and it's splendor. I'll give you the nations of the earth and all of its splendor. He's like, look at all of this. You give you this if you just worship me. And Jesus is like, of course not. I'm not going to settle for that when I can have this. You understand what I'm trying to say? And we do the same thing. The enemy comes to us and says, get busy with this and be involved in this and spend your money on this, all the splendor of the earth. And we miss this, don't we? We have to live our lives in a way where we're saying it's about the gospel, it's about the work of the cross, it's about what God called us to do above every single thing else. Amen. So here's here's the what. People say, how do we do this? Well, it's simple with two things. You gotta be available. You gotta be available for God to use you. That's how we live it out. The other part is we gotta worship. We gotta surrender. We gotta position our lives in a way that we can say yes to what God has called us to. Well, how is it that easy, Josh? Pastor Josh, how is it that easy that you say, oh, that's all we got to do? Well, here is why it's hard, but here's why it's possible. It's hard, but it's possible, and here's why. Because verse 20, Jesus says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How is it possible? It's possible because we have God with us. How do we have God with us? He's surely with us. How long is he with us? To the end of the age. All of this is possible. We can get to the mountaintop of it all. Why? Because he's with us. An angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, you're going to have the son of God. And I need you to name him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Literally the name of God. When we think and we speak of God, we need to think of him in a way that he is the God who's with us. All things are possible. All of this is attainable and doable. Because why? Because God is with us. Amen. One writer says, what we have to fight and contend and protect is that the great commission never becomes the great omission in the church of God, where we do everything else. We worship, we study, we do all these other things, but we omit reaching people. The great commission is what we're called to. We can't omit it. Are you with me? So I'm going to let you know what our, what our, what our, what the, what is, what we get to do, the way that we're going to go, the way that we're going to go reach. And in a minute, I'm going to put it up on the screen, what we're going to do. We're going to announce to you what the legacy offering is going to go toward. Uh, and when I do, I want us all to cheer. I just want us to be excited, basically give a praise for the way that God is calling us. But here's what we begin to notice over the last couple of years is I believe that God does lead us in ways of righteousness. He leads us in connections and he opens doors and he, the scripture says he goes before us and uh, prepares a path for us. So God's been making a path for us through multiple relationships, being Kids Hope, um, just different things like that, where the outreach center, where we've been getting to know families uh, that have need, needs of 
maybe connecting or, or, or coming to church would be hard for them just with travel and different things like that. And so as we've made relationships in the community, it's become obvious to us that we need to go. We need to go where people are. We need to be able to go connect them and, and reach them and love on them. And so in just a minute, we're going to throw this up here and we're going to cheer. But I'm so excited for you uh, to find out that for our legacy offering this year, uh, we are going to be launching a bus ministry. Put it up there. Yeah. Come on. So we have all these family dynamics and relationships and connections that we have and just areas in our town is really ripe for us to be able to show up to an apartment complex or uh, uh, maybe a mobile home park where we can show up and say, hey, get on, let's, let's go to church. And um, it's going to cost about $85,000 to get it. And uh, that's what the miracle offering is going to go toward. Now, you guys know me, I'm a Disney guy. And so when I say $85,000, that's because inside there is going to be so much fun. We're going to have screens for the kids. We're going to just have the best of the best. Why? Because church is fun. God is fun. And, and when you come to church, it shouldn't be like how you bring your kids to church, throw them in the car and throw granola bars at them. <laughs> We're going to do it better than that. Uh, but they're going to have fun on the way. They're going to experience God in the very beginning of on their way to church. Are you with me? And, uh, and we're going to reach them and connect with them and, and share the love of God with them. So $85,000 is totally, totally doable. And it's going to be amazing. Here's our hope is that by the time we get them purchased uh, and we get them wrapped and graphicked and we get people trained, we already have bus drivers ready to do it, all that stuff. God has already worked amazing in. But our hope is that Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sundays. Yeah, come on, give it up. This is our first Sunday. Yeah. So it's going to be awesome. And here's what I would say. Uh, we'll be receiving offerings uh, every single uh, week. Uh, you can just put them right in the regular bucket as it goes by. You could also give online. And uh, we'll be receiving and talking about Legacy through the month of November. And then, of course, December, like I said, we have another series. But I realize a lot of businesses uh, and businessmen and leaders and businesswomen uh, your books sort of end at the end of the year and that's what you could give. So even though we're talking about legacy in November, you can give all the way up to year end giving. I know charitable donations and all that stuff happen, you know, by the end of the year. And so if you have a business or, you know, you have a bonus coming toward the end of the year and, and you want to wait, that's great. We, uh, we're totally great with that. But here's what I want to say when it comes to, to how you give and how you sow into this is this. Uh, we say it every year when we talk about legacy. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I don't want this sermon to be the reason that you give. I don't want, you, oh, our church needs this bus and they want to do this thing. That's not the reason to give. The reason to give is because God told you to give. So, so do not give until you've either heard from God or, or you just know in your heart. Now, I know many families prepare for this and you're ready to give and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and that's awesome. Go for it. But here's what I say. A lot of churches get up at these offerings and they say, church, just give your best. I don't want you to give your best. I want you to give obediently. So hey, give your best. Give your, No, 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 no. Give what God told you to give. That's what you're called to give, right? And, and just give obediently. So pray about it. Think on it. And um, again, we'll just be collecting. You can give online. You can give in service, all the different ways. If you have any questions, we would love to answer those for you as well. Um, but we are so stinking excited for us to be able to live out this great commission. By what? By being able to go and, and bring people into God's house and disciple them and love on them and connect them and all the other ways. There's youth camps that we can use those buses for and all kinds of things. And um, we're excited. Amen. All right, once you stand to your feet, I'll pray over you in just a minute.
just seal this with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word and your way. Lord, we ask that you speak to us in this season uh, of generosity and legacy. God, I just thank you that you're making a way. Um, Lord, you've already made a way. But Lord, I thank you that um, everything that we need, Lord, you already have. Lord, you know the relationships and the connections and the places where to go. You know the resources that are going to come in for this. And so, Lord, we just say yes uh, to the ways that you're going to do it. Lord, use us, guide us, lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.